It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Ben Solak here with Jordan Reed, Trevor Sikama, of course, en route to Paris as we speak, preparing for the uh, Women's World Cup. I believe, I'm not following it closely, they just beat Spain, tied with Spain. They're in the quarterfinals. Jordan, are you watching? I actually am not, but I've been keeping up with the tweets. So I'm yeah, really exactly. to see how they do end up finishing. Yeah, I see it come across my timeline. And and obviously, as an Eagles fan, I have I hope Julie Ertz does well. It's pretty much my only objective for the whole tournament. But um, Trevor's heading over to Paris. He joins with me on the podcast. I think he was just trying to get out of offensive line week because he's not a real tape grinder like we are, Jordan. <laughs> but uh, if you missed the Monday show, we introed offensive line week with the Oregon set of seniors for them on the offensive line. Today... We went other coast, SEC, Southeastern Conference. Two kids from Auburn, one kid from Tennessee. I know, Jordan, we are excited to start talking about Auburn's left tackle by the name of Prince Tego Winoho. The first thing I asked you was, is he legit a prince? Yes, he actually is. And on his bio on Auburn's website, it has he's the son of a prince and a princess. So I had to do my research on him. And Come to find out, he actually is of Nigerian descent. He came to the United States when he was 14. And I forget exactly what state he's from. I want to say Alabama. I believe yeah, it was. So. Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's from Alabama. This is all off the top of my head. But he he had no clue what football was when he came over here. So he was just a swimmer and a basketball player growing up for the most part when he was over there in Nigeria. And it carried over to when he was in high school. And he gave football a try. Uh, the football coaches there like begged him because he was the biggest sure. guy. He was the biggest guy out there, and I forget the coach's name, but it doesn't immediately come to mind. But he said he put him to the test his first day out there, and so he had a 17 size 17 shoe, and he ran. I don't know if this is true or not. This is what came out of his mouth in an article that I was reading, though. So he ran a four six four. Do we yep. believe that? So he that at six the the the, the legend goes. At 6'8", 245, Winogo stepped on a football field for the first time in Jordans because yes. they did not have size 17 <laughs> cleats and ran a 4'6'4". Four, four. The one I was reading, which is from um, his Edgewood Academy head coach was talking in it, and I have too many tabs open, so there's no way I'll be able to find it in time. I don't remember the head coach's name, but Edgewood Academy, where he played high school ball, the head coach is talking, and basically – like they wanted to see really how fast he was, so they put him on the on the goal line. They put their running back on the five, and they told Winogo to catch him. And Winogo caught him at the thirty-five. And this running back was like a four-four, something like that, right? Which, okay. And then and the thing is, this was him at, at two forty-five. I don't know what exactly he is. Auburn has him listed at three oh five. Yeah. So that would be plus sixty pounds. Yeah. Um, I would guess he's even heavier than 305. So this is a long, long, long ways of way ago. But there's no denying. Yeah. And, and when you hear swimmer as well, like this dude is an athlete. Absolutely. A stupid, stupid athlete. So, yeah, he comes. I, re- I read that. He, read, he played 13 games of high school ball. Was getting uh, offers from 
everybody left and right. At one point, they were asking him about like Alabama, Nick Saban. He was like, "Who is Nick Saban?" Like the dude just like did not yeah. know <laughs> anything about football. Um, he uh, defensive line and tight end at the high school level. Uh, Auburn gets him. They immediately transfer him to tackle. They put start putting weight on him. He red shirts. Uh, his first full season of starting was this past year. I believe he was an All SEC selection for his play in his first season. There was some NFL rumblings. Um, and then he decides not to come out. He decides to go back to school. Uh, so both him and right tackle Jack Driscoll uh, were guys who have NFL interest. They both returned. But we're still on Winogo. Jordan, film-wise, this I've heard his name. This is my first exposure to him. I don't know if you've peaked him before. What did you think looking at Prince Tego Winogo's film? Well, the athleticism definitely carries over. You see it really urgent in his past sets. And that's the first thing I wrote about him. Uh, he has a really fantastic tempo as far as his vertical sets. And he is really athletic. And he's very jumpy. He's very springy. He has a lot of life to his lower half. Very long arms. But he does struggle a little bit as far as latching on, sustaining blocks. I think that's something that he does need to work on. But I thought he was really impressive against Alabama and Mississippi State, which was two of the better defenses that Auburn does face throughout the year. He really held his own in those two games. So I think he's a guy that probably could be a day two selection that could be one of those projects that sits behind a well-established veteran for a year. And then I think you could have something with him, whether he's a second or a third round selection. I mean, I'll tell you right now, it objectively does not matter. Like 0% matters what he does between now and the NFL combine. But if he comes out at six, seven, three, one, something and runs in the 5.0s, he's well, going to get drafted first day two. Right? Like, like, first round, we saw, yeah, we saw Brandon Parker. We saw Colton Miller, baby. Like, if, if you have any sort of athleticism, NFL teams are going to talk themselves into the idea that you didn't get the coaching at college that could have been beneficial for you. And it would have, you know, they can mold you, they can figure you out and fix you, so on and so forth. And then that, that, that's a trap, you know, that you get, you fall into that. That's, I don't think that's a great return on investment. But with Tego Minogo, like the athletic ceiling creates a very high floor in terms of where he's going to get drafted. Now, on the field, I agree with you. And I would even say, Springy for sure, explosive for sure. Depth in his pass sets, I thought was a problem, which it makes a lot of sense when you're when you're you know in your third, fourth season at this position, learning this style of play. Like offensive line requires a different sort of athleticism. The movements, the lower half movements, are just different than a lot of things you're regularly doing. You're playing in that like not hunched sort of sense, but you're playing with a lot of tension in that lower half, and that's an irregular sort of stance, even for somebody with, like, a basketball background. And so him getting depth in his kick slide is something that's, that's a weakness of his right now. Now, he's got vines, right? Like, he's 6'7", and he's yeah. long. Right? So, and so you know that he can survive with some poor set points, and that may be to his disservice because it's not really working. Uh, it's not really exposing him to the the, the issues he he should be having, and so he's letting him get away with it. You have that recovery length, that recovery athleticism. I uh, I don't know if you watched, I got LSU film, and they LSU's got some bendy quick rushers, and they gave him problems on the outside. Yeah, and I that haven't was, watched that game. Yeah, so that was the game I was watching. They've got a couple of kids who were just stand-up rushers on the outside. 46, I think, was the one guy. 45 was the other. But they're able to, to, to challenge his outside shoulder and really make him hinge and turn open his hips. And that was that, that that's going to be my early concern with Monogo is simply – understanding how rushes are coming out of him, how they're attacking him from the outside and being able to get to your set points because it's much harder to recover at the NFL level. But again, that athletic ability in terms of length and quickness illustrates such a high floor in terms of when he does get beat. I mean, it's very hard to get all the way around the dude because he's just so long. Right. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Right. Yeah. All right. His foil, Jack Driscoll, is a transfer. UMass for three years. Jack Driscoll was a right tackle there. He was a Phil Steele All-American, freshman All-American. Uh, he graduates, grad transfers to Auburn, not locked into winning the right tackle job. Obviously, this is the same year that they lose Braden Smith, who's playing right tackle for them. He goes to Indianapolis. Um, Driscoll comes in. He's able to win the starting job. I don't know about you, Jordan. I was quite, quite impressed with what I saw with Jack Driscoll. Yes, I was was, just about to say that. (laughs) I'm very glad because I haven't heard Jack Diddley about Jack Driscoll. And so I was like, I hope I'm not, you know, whenever you're the first one to like a guy, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking. So Jack Driscoll, uh, what did you have in your notes? What did you enjoy about his film? So Tego Wanogo gets a lot of the love. And I didn't have any clue about Driscoll last year. Just Mm -hmm. going into my summer notes this year, I haven't heard anything about him. And all the research you do about him, all you see is his his UMass stuff. And he was a grad transfer, like you said. Uh, Started 20 games for them in 2016 and 2017 combined. And he ended up up starting every game at right tackle for Auburn last year. But what I really loved about him is his hand repositioning is something that I thought was really good. Now, he is a bit of a lumberer with his feet, I thought, but he's very – the best way to really describe it is that he's very exaggerated with his movements, but they turn out to be very effective for him just because I think he's a borderline average athlete. But when he's able to get his numbers and his chest squared onto defenders, he just really engulfs them. And <laughs> the best way I wrote it down was like – Whenever you have like your little brother and you put your hand on top of his head and he's just right. like swinging his hands and can't hit you or touch you at all. That's what he really makes defenders look like. Uh, he has a very fantastic anchor, a thick lower half. His hand and yeah. grip strength are outstanding. And that's what really surprised me about him. But uh, as far as some negatives about him, just his heavy feet, I thought his feet were a bit heavy, but he doesn't really get beat around the edge a lot. And he has a really he does a really good job when he does get beat of really forcing those defenders up the edge and he allows quarterbacks to step up into the pocket. He doesn't really ever get beat cleanly around the edge and he's able to recover by doing that. So I was really surprised with how much I liked him. Yeah, no dude, wide base. I mean, clearly playing right on the, on the, uh, like inside on the insides of his feet, builds that huge base, gets that nice bend inside of his knees. And then like, good luck. I mean, if you're, if you're engaged with him and he's able to drop his anchor, build that base, he's not moving, right? Really, really powerful lower half, which was exciting for me. You said he's an average athlete. I think he might be a little bit better. Um, and you said there's exaggerated movements, definitely for sure, but he covers ground, right? Yeah. So like, I think he, I think he's going to struggle with counters because he can be over aggressive getting to his spots and he can heel click a little bit, just open up that, that stance a little bit too much, but he's, he stays square to the line consistently when he's facing an outside rusher, latches, builds the base, and drops. And it's just a really, really nice sequence of people come outside on him. And I want to see him redirect and keep that post foot there on inside moves. Not something I was able to really see from him because that's going to test the recovery ability, the recovery athleticism. But he does a good job keeping that inside rush lane closed, making you come outside of him, again, keeping those hips squared on the line, and then latching and dropping. Really good. And then run game, obviously – something that you're going to get a ton of exposure to for Auburn, and they're going to ask you to do a lot of different things. 
I mean, he washes on down blocks, right? Yeah, like if he's, he's able to get, he's able to get that that half man get into the torso of like a four eye or a three technique. I mean, boy, like you're going somewhere. You ain't absolutely. getting absolutely, yeah. Head up, he can struggle a little bit. I think at times, just like like you said, I think quick guys can get a little bit outside of him and force him in, in, into a place where he's playing outside of his frame. He can be a little bit over aggressive, but yeah, I I, I get it with Tego Inogo. It makes sense. Uh, and the athletic ability is clearly very exciting. But when I look at pure film, 2018 tape, Driscoll's a better player right now. Uh, and, 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 and you expect a big step forward for Winogo because of the athletic ability, because of the lack of, uh, of football background in high school. But also, this will be the first full offseason, or it's the second full offseason, excuse me, of Power 5 SEC coaching that Jack Driscoll yeah. gets to UMass for three years, which... UMass got a good program for an independent, for a smaller school. There's no doubt about that. But, like, you would expect him to take, even take a step forward as well because of his background. And so I'll be very interested to follow specifically these two tackles and kind of see how their respective careers go and, and what this final season is for them. I mean, I think both are probably going to be huge senior bowl targets. Uh, but Driscoll right now on film, to me, better than Tego Winogo. And, I don't know about you, probably the best tackle we've watched. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I was really surprised with how much I liked him. And I kind of was hesitant to say it with you on here just because I didn't know how much you yeah, You noticed like You him. noticed I asked you first. See, that's the thing. I'm, yeah. I'm in the host seat, so I get to ask yeah. questions. I usually don't enjoy this, this luxury, Jordan, so I kind of milk it while I can. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, last guy, and this is a guy that I already actually I already know how you kind of feel about him. So I'll take the brunt of, of the, uh, the 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 first take today. This is Trey Smith. We're talking about now the Tennessee offensive tackle. Uh, Trey Smith, six six, about three thirty five. If you remember and you follow high school recruiting, you're a good SEC fan, whatever it is, you'll know the name Trey Smith, uh, number one overall recruit per ESPN when he came out in the class of twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, even for scout, they had him number four offensive tackle in the nation, 24-7 number five, rivals number 12 offensive tackle in the nation. This was a very, very, very highly touted recruit in the state of Tennessee and at the offensive tackle position. Huge dude, has remained huge. That has not changed. Clearly has some power to him. Man, I was disappointed in his play demeanor. I, I think he's passive. Uh, and I, I just I spent a lot of time watching his film wondering where his hands are. Yeah. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? Like, he loses – and gives up his chest so unnecessarily, so frequently, right? Like, it's like, yeah. there are times when, like, you're, you're, the defender's going to get into your chest. And I think he has good lower body power to, like, withstand that. But there are other times where you're just head up on a rusher. You know he's coming. you got to punch. You have to incorporate your hands into the early part of the rep, into, into establishing dominance, establishing a physical presence, and dictating where this rusher's going to go. I think Smith so often wants to let rushers come into his frame because he's so big and he's so powerful such a wide dude then latch his hands and disengage with them maybe that worked at the high school level at the college level you saw him get bullied you saw him get big boy by by players who did not 
have business beating him on rushes. Players who were 60 pounds his, his lesser, who are going, and they're exchanging power for power with him in the trenches as a run blocker and in pass protection because he's willingly giving up his chest. And he plays upright. He's 6'6", six, six, and he doesn't play with great knee bend. And accordingly, like, you're going to lose leverage to a lot of guys too. And so if you're not going to incorporate your hands to, to – to soften and to, and, to, and to mitigate that blow that they're going to come with when they're coming full velocity right for your chest, you're just going to continuously give up ground. The amount of times that he was at neutral, at a stalemate or worse, off of the line, like as a run blocker, it's just inexcusable for a guy this big. Yeah. I just, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely. And, you know, I shared my sentiments about him a couple of days ago when we were establishing a list of guys that we uh-huh. wanted to talk to. And just for him to be such a highly heralded recruit, I was expecting a bit more. And Tennessee hyped him up a lot coming in, and they still do to this day, even though he hasn't performed up to par. And, of course, the massive frame that we talked about, he looks like a well-seasoned NFL veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's every bit of 6'6", 335-plus pounds. Uh, his, I thought his strength was really good at times, but when he's able to move downhill and when he's able to bury his head into defender's chest, my God, does he create a lot, a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. And just because he has all that weight, behind him so whenever he's, whenever he's able to move in one direction or running like outside zone he's able to widen the edge or something like that that's really where you see his strength really pay off but the best way to really summarize exactly who he is is he's Michael Orr before he realized what his God-given traits really were <laughs> he just doesn't understand what he has and okay. the best the best way to describe it is just passive aggressive and I was just really underwhelmed with how soft he played at times and he just isn't the enforcer and he just catches every block and he just tries to recover by doing that and that's why he ends up on the ground so much and he just doesn't have the awareness of exactly what he has and I'm not sure if you're aware of his health situation he has um, some yeah. blood clots in his lungs as well and he he wasn't able to participate in spring ball this year either just because he hasn't been able to be cleared to play this year so that's definitely something else to monitor but I think maybe if he sheds a couple pounds and he really understands exactly what his gifts are and what he has maybe there's something there but for right now it's just really rough right now yeah I was about to uh, uh, the spring ball thing and the health thing I was going to bring it up because I don't know like clear to be on the field versus clear to be on the weight room potentially what he could be doing third party by himself but like shedding 10 pounds and adding some lower body mass could be huge for him like the ability yeah. like, like being off for a little bit gives you opportunity to kind of reset your 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 frame and your approach could be huge for a guy that we expect to see some more development on because to me he's got to be able to get his center of mass lower and yeah. right now, like Michael, Orr, I like the Michael Orr one because Michael Orr, obviously, like, you know, physical traits, everything like that. But even when Michael Orr figured out what he was, one of the issues with Orr was that he was always just an upright, taller guy and that you would lose to, to smaller rushers who could bend and get underneath you. And like, even if Smith becomes more aggressive, just his play style in terms of like, again, not, well, not with a ton of knee bound, he's just a top heavy guy. You're, like you said, you're going to lose your feet a lot. I mean, the worst place for an offensive lineman to end up is on the ground. Last last spot you want to be. And so, yeah. like, Smith, and, and, and with Monogo, when we talked about athletic ability and the ceiling that that's presenting, there's a lot of quickness, explosiveness, length. With Smith, like, the athletic ability we're talking about is just, like, size, which isn't even the best athletic ability. Right. You know, it's not it's, – it's just – like a physical tool, but you have to be able to build your game around it and not have it be a disadvantage to you. And right now I think it's 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 to Trey Smith's disadvantage that he's as large as he is. It's a problem for him. It's not beneficial. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And we'll see if he does end up, hopefully he's able to overcome that health scare that he does have right now. And there's going to be mm-hmm. somebody that takes a chance on him just because he has that former five-star recruit a sticker with him. We've seen teams want to take 
chances on guys, even if they do end up in later rounds or even UDFAs eventually. So we'll see if he does end up recovering from that injury. He's definitely a guy I will be monitoring this year as well. Right. And yeah, like you said, uh, a five-star recruiting ranking, people are going to know his names and ask us about him for the entire cycle, regardless of how well he plays. That's just the nature of it. But those were the three for today. As we said, nice trip down to the SEC. Yesterday it was Pac-12. Tomorrow, some of the bigs. We've got three Big 12 and one Big 10 player on deck. This is the Offensive Line Week with Jordan Reed here on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. We appreciate you swinging by. As always, rate, review, and subscribe. And stick for the rest of the week so we can talk through the other half of offensive linemen we're talking about, as well as give you our top fives. And, of course, finish off with a Fan Friday. For Jordan, I am Ben. Please keep it right. Locked Oh, no. I messed it up, Jordan. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> you were doing so week. good. You were doing uh, so good. Well, I just, I'm, not, I'm not schooled in the Locked On ways. But please keep it locked right here. I'm locked on NFL Draft. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.